In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In my experience, these are the types of readings that when I encounter them, I say to myself, well, duh, that's of course what should have happened, or in the case of the slave, shouldn't have happened. Of course, Joseph should have forgiven his brothers, even though they sold him into slavery. Of course, the Romans needed to seek forgiveness instead of quarreling over eating habits and judging each other. And of course, the slave who was forgiven by his Lord should have forgiven his fellow slave. But to be quite honest, while a part of me, the part of me that longs to be the best version of myself, the part that longs to be who God created me to be, while that part wholeheartedly agrees with the sentiments and lessons presented in our readings this morning, there is another part of me a part of me, a part of my head and my heart, that just has a plain hard time getting on board with it. My head asks, where's the accountability? What is the point of forgiveness if others are not going to take the same posture of forgiveness? Or what's more, what's the point if they're going to keep behaving poorly? Isn't forgiveness just letting someone off easy? My heart asks, but what about me? I've been broken. Where's the justice? Where's the revenge? What is going to make this right for me? It's one thing to read these words and know that they're the way things should be. It's one thing to know that forgiveness is the building block of the kingdom of God. But it's another to actually live into these words and make them the very bedrock of our lives. There is a part of me that would rather judge and scorn the person who cut me off on the belt line than seek forgiveness and understanding. There is a part of me that would rather stew over the mean things that someone might have said or done and the things that I wish I had said and done in response than seek empathy and forgiveness. There is a part of me that would rather lord someone's wrongdoing over them than just forgive and move on. But there is that other part of me, sometimes a quieter part, that knows that while that might be the easier path, it is also the path that perpetuates cycles of pain, burden, wrongdoing, and ultimate unhappiness, both within myself and within the world. There is that part of me that remembers every now and again that I am, in fact, a forgiven and renewed soul that we all are. And there's a part of me that remembers that it is in living out of that truth, in living out of that reality, that has the potential to change everything about how I view and practice forgiveness in this world. There's a part of me that remembers that when we live out of the truth of our own forgiveness, our own redemption, it becomes easier to live a life of forgiveness in the world. Now, there are a few things to remember about forgiveness that are important to consider when we ponder what a life of forgiveness may look like. First, we must remember that forgiveness is often more about the one doing the forgiving than the one being forgiven. 
It is a decision to let go of our own resentment, anger, and victimhood in order to free ourselves from those things, those burdens, which weigh us down. Practicing forgiveness empowers us to move on and live healthier lives. According to the Mayo Clinic, forgiveness can lead to a healthier relationship, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem. Forgiveness can be more about the one doing the forgiving and less about the one who is being forgiven. Second, it's important to remember that forgiveness is not synonymous with forgetting. Harry Moore, this morning on his way out uh, of church, said that earlier this week he was doing a crypto word in the Decatur Daily, and there was a quote from Celia Cruz, which read, which is the following, forgiveness is not forgetting, it is remembering without pain. Forgiveness is not forgetting, it is remembering without pain. Jesus' parable in our gospel reading today comes on the heels of last week's reading in which he instructs his disciples in the art and importance of confronting our brothers and sisters in Christ over wrongdoing and hurts endured. These readings about forgiveness, therefore, should be set within the context of accountability. Jesus most certainly advocated for speaking out against and stepping up to matters of injustice and wrongdoing. After all, he's the one who flipped the tables in the temple. But also, in this parable, and with his life, and with his death, he advocated for unlimited and extravagant forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that has the power to transform and renew lives. And so finally, I think it is most important to remind ourselves and keep reminding ourselves and keep reminding ourselves that the work of forgiving others becomes much more feasible, much more effective, when it is born out of and rooted in the forgiveness we have received and experienced in Christ. I often wonder if one challenge I experience when trying to practice forgiveness is that I have not allowed myself to fully accept and live into the forgiveness God has extended to me with all of myself. And I wonder if the slave who was forgiven by the Lord also had trouble fully comprehending and living into the enormity of the forgiveness that was offered to him. The author of this gospel uses the highest numerical value and the highest monetary unit to express the magnitude of the slave's debt. He literally could not have owed more to his Lord on paper. And yet the king forgives him that debt. That is an enormous weight to be relieved, an enormous amount of anxiety to be dispelled. But I wonder if he fully let himself feel that relief with all of himself. I wonder if he fully let himself 
feel the relief of that burden, even though the king did. Because the truth is, we all carry things with us. We carry the things that others have done to us, yes, but we also carry the things we have done. And we allow those things to weigh us down as we carry out our day-to-day lives in the world. And they prevent us from fully living and loving and forgiving with all of ourselves. But the hope, the good news of our gospel reading today is that we do not have to live like this. Because we have been and will always be completely and utterly forgiven. There is nothing that we can do that cannot be forgiven. There is nothing that we can do that cannot be forgiven. And that truth, when accepted, as hard as it is, that truth, when accepted and lived, has the power to transform our lives and empower us to go out into the world and forgive with generous abandon. So I challenge all of us this week, me most certainly included, to ponder the forgiveness of God, to let ourselves fully feel the weight and the burdens which have been and will always be relieved from our lives and live out of that truth, live out of that reality that we are forgiven, to live out of the relief, to live out of that redemption. And then having been transformed and renewed by the power of God's forgiveness, ponder what it might mean to live a life marked and defined by the divine, abundant, and extravagant forgiveness of God in Christ. Forgiveness which seeks to hold accountable those who have done wrong, yes, but forgiveness which also seeks to free us, the forgiver, from burden and victimhood. And because it's born out of the forgiveness of God, that forgiveness which has the power to transform this world from the inside out and from the ground up. This is how we love ourselves. It is how we love God. It is how we love our neighbor. It is how we build the kingdom of God here in Decatur, Alabama. Amen.